GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, joined by my co-host, Kyle Reedhead, and we believe that an XRP trust is not going to change the world. That's why we're carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. What's up, friends? We got a hell of a show today. We are obviously going to talk about this fake XRP ETF that was put out on Twitter. If you happen to see that, markets went a bit crazy from it. We will talk all about markets as per usual. Solana, ETH, Bitcoin, what's going on across it all, as well as inflation. We'll talk about that, jobs, the whole kit and caboodle. OKX is launching an L2, one of the biggest exchanges in the world is building on Ethereum. So we'll talk about that and what that means. Coinbase credentials. We've talked a lot about bringing verified credentials and identity on chain. Well, it's happening and Coinbase is leading the way. Uh, Roblox. Is Roblox getting NFTs? It's the biggest game or what do you want to call it? Metaverse in the entire world. Is it bringing NFTs to its world? We'll talk about that. Disney is bringing NFTs to its world. I'll tell you that. And so much more is going on. We will cover it all in today's episode. But before we do, Jay, what are you grateful for? Yeah, I'm grateful for Sam, my wife. She, over the weekend, decided that she wanted to re-renovate our that one of our bathrooms, our powder room. We got a small bathroom, and it's one of the last rooms in our house that we haven't renovated. This is a new home that we purchased a few years ago. And yeah, she's handier than I am because not only did she decide to do it, she is actually doing it. We went to Home Depot last night. We bought a new toilet. Uh, we got some paint. She's all in. In between Jack taking naps during the day, she is renovating a bathroom. So mad kudos and shout out to Sam. That's amazing. <laughs> what are you grateful for, Kai? I am grateful for friends. This weekend, my girlfriend and I hosted 16 people for dinner at her family's cottage up in Grand Bend. So 16 people. It was I've never done that in my life. It was really cool. We made this like really nice pasta. It was not as good as we had hoped because cooking for 16 people is just not that easy, but it was a great night and a great time. So we had a lot of fun. That's awesome. Way to go. 16 people. That's no joke to host that many people. It, I'm sure I just barbecued a little bit. It was mainly Heather, but <laughs> good on you. Well, you know what else I'm grateful for right now, Kai, is I'm grateful that the markets are back and crypto is on a rip and things are going well. And I just can't handle the thought of any of our listeners missing out on this opportunity. Right before we hit record today, Kyle and I were looking at some charts and the opportunity is, it almost is, it's unfair. It feels like we have a cheat code right now. Look, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know exactly what the markets are going to do, but directionally, I am as confident as I've ever been in the crypto prices surging right now, continuing to go up. And I think over the next few years, there is a legitimate opportunity for people to change their lives by having smart investment strategies. And yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you are ready to make that next step and to take action and to change your life, now is the time because right now we are doing our biggest sale ever at Web3 Academy. We've got the full market prep pack. We've got exactly what you need to take advantage of this bull market, not just to get you started. So what we've got in this bull market prep pack is 
a course, which is our Web3 Investment Masterclass. This five-hour course will give you the foundational knowledge, whether you're a beginner, whether you're intermediate, whether you're advanced, it's just going to make sure you're level set to understand the full scope of investing in crypto from investing in tokens to investing in apps to investing in NFTs. Like You need to understand it all and it's quite confusing. So this course really breaks it all down. And then we're also going to give you a one-year subscription to Web3 Academy Pro, which is going to make sure throughout the next year that every week we are coming to you in your email inbox and giving you a weekly report. So we're not just giving you what you need now, we're giving what you, we're keeping you up to date every week throughout the next year and making sure that you understand the way markets are going and what you need to be doing with your investments. And all of this right now, is on sale for $133. That's 69% off the regular price. Huge, huge discount. So don't miss out. Link is in the show notes. Go sign up now. I don't know what you're waiting for. I can personally guarantee you, you will make more than $133 back as a result of the investments you're going to make if you take action. So do it. Bull market prep pack. I like that name. I didn't know that's what we were calling it, but th this is a life-changing moment for anyone. If you just don't fuck up this cycle, that's really all you got to do. It's not that difficult. You just need a plan. You stick to that plan and just don't fuck it up. And, uh, and unfortunately, most people do fuck it up. And so this will give you a plan and we'll continue to keep you on that plan week over week with the pro. So make sure you check that out. It's going to be well, well, well worth it. All right, Jay, should we get into and, the and micro? discount expires in three days, everybody. So you only got three right. days. So don't wait. Get on it now. 69. 69. <laughs> All right, let's get into some market watch today. We'll do a quick review of the three majors as we usually do. We're actually in a little bit of a dip right now, as you can see from the charts up on the screen. Again, if you're, if you're just listening on the podcast, I'll do my best to explain the charts that I have up. But otherwise, you can watch on YouTube. You can watch on Spotify. You can watch on Twitter. We put the video there too. But Bitcoin is down almost 4% today, but it's still up over the week and up bigly over the month, about 27.69% over the month is Bitcoin. Ethereum, same thing. It is down today, only uh, 0.7, or no, sorry, 3% is down, but it is up 5.6% on the week and 25% on the month. And then Solana, the, the winner of it all, it's actually down 6% right now, which I mean is probably due. It's up 42.7% on the week and 157% on the month. This thing is crazy. It is up 520% on the year. What? Which is, if we, so I go to Bitcoin here, check this out. Bitcoin over the last five years is up 560%. Solana just this year is up 520%. Now we're comparing apples to oranges here. So like, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a little bit wild. I'm just going to show another chart here. This is Solana. That's uh, It's weekly charts so far this year, which is just, it's just wild. And I've had a lot of people already asking in our discord, you know, should I still be buying Solana? Is it overbought? Like, is this, did I miss it? I want to break that down just a little bit. And so we'll start with that. And then I'm going to get into some macro stuff. And then I'll leave you with a nice little summary. But here's what I want to say about this. This is still very much early days, right? We are, yes, this feels like we're in this crazy bull market where things are just wild and things are going up and up and up. If we zoom out and we just look at past, right? So past cycles, this is tiny, right? It's nothing right now. We're just a blip. So 
there's still a long way to go in crypto. It doesn't mean Sol or whatever. Any of these tokens are going to be the ones that, that do it and that really go. But, it, you know, we're still in very, very early days. And there's a couple points I want to make here. One, I'm just going to show you some potential for Solana. And then two, I want to talk about what you can expect over this over this coming bull market. So first, if we look at this chart here, I'm doing a price predictions report right now that will come out in two weeks in pro. But I also just released one today on Solana itself. So I broke down what's happening in Solana in terms of like the tech. I talked about the on-chain metrics and then the value accrual and potential price here. And I put, I charted Sol from last cycle with ETH from its first cycle. So Solana's first cycle was the 2021 basically cycle until now. ETH was 2017 until 2020. It's the first kind of main cycle. And if you chart it on a graph, if for those that can't see, it is almost identical. The price numbers are not the same, obviously, because whatever, that doesn't really matter. But the structure of it is like literally almost identical in every way. It pumps at the very beginning, then it kind of chills out, goes down a little bit for a few months. Then it just goes crazy mental up, 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 parabolic, and then down. And then you have this like rebounds right after it goes down like super far and then goes and then it kind of like falls down and now we're into the bear market. It looks identical. If I charted Bitcoin from its first cycle, it looks the same as this too, which is just really weird, but that's just how it works. So then what it is like, well, let's see what Ethereum did after that. And I zoomed out Ethereum, but left Solana on the chart there. And here's what Ethereum did. It 3.5x from its all-time high from that previous chart I just showed. And so I still have Solana here. It's the pink, which almost looks, can barely even see it at this point, but that's what you could probably expect if it just does what Ethereum did. Now, I'm not saying it will do what Ethereum did, but it's got some potential. But this is the, what can happen in this space. And this is why we're saying like the potential for this next couple of years is just, it's unheard of. You don't find this in gold or in equities or in like other things. It's just unbelievable what can happen here. So anyway, that's a nice little view of, of what could happen. Now, the big point I want to make today in today's market watch is everyone's asking, should I buy? Solana's up 520% or whatever on the year. Should I still be buying? And I just want you guys to know like, in these cycles, these assets go up 10, 20, 30% from their bottom, sometimes even more, or sorry, 30X, 10, 20, 30X, not percent uh, from the bottom. It's pretty wild ride. And people are like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, no way you guys made that much. The thing you need to understand is these things also pull back like you wouldn't believe. This isn't just some easy ride now until that 3.5X from its previous all-time high, and then you just sell the top and you're out. That's not how this stuff works, okay? Let me zoom in on this chart here. This is a chart of ETH from last cycle, okay? It went down from $85 up to $5,000 over about a year and a half. Unbelievable, right? Now, it's not as easy as it might seem. Let me just show you here on this chart. I'm going to walk you through what actually happened during this time, okay? So if we look at some of the ups and downs of this, here was the early days of Ethereum, okay? I can't even get there. That's how much this thing went up. Like this is, to zoom in on this is just wild. But let's just look at this small little blip, okay? This little blip here looks like nothing when you compare it to everything. But in that moment on November 23rd, it took three days and Ethereum went down 24%, 24. So right now people are scared because Solana is down 6%, right? Over the last 24 hours. And they're like, oh my God, is this over? Are we done? Is that all we can get? This is nothing. That's 24% in just three days, okay? Let's go to a bigger one because that's nothing. Here's one in January of 2021, where Ethereum went down 34% in three days. 34%. Imagine that for a second. If you have $10,000 and it goes down 
you now have what, $66,000? So that's a massive, massive drop. And it did it again and again and again and again. Let's look at this one here. Here's another one. February. So one month later, okay, it, it went up after that big drop of 34% and it doubled, okay? And then it went down 38% in a matter of eight days. <laughs> okay. And then what does it do? It doubles again and it goes up. Actually, within that time frame, it looks like it did it again. It went down 22% in 11 days. And then what did it do? It tripled. And after it tripled, it then went down 25% in three days. And then it quadrupled. <laughs> and then what did it do? Okay. After it quadrupled and was sitting at 42%, or sorry, 42,000, it went down 60% in, in 11 days. 11 days, it went 60%. Okay. And then what did it do? A few months later, it went back up all the way to 5,000. So I just want you guys to realize this isn't a straight line up and pullbacks are fine. They're going to happen. You need to expect 20, 30, 40% pullbacks. They're going to happen almost every month next year. Every month. The volatility that is about to come into the space is just, it's something that is very hard to stomach. And this is why you really need a plan, which is again, why we are saying, take advantage of this bull market prep pack so that you don't get knocked off the horse. Because that's what happens here is these pullbacks, people are like, I'm out. I'm out. This was the top. And it's not true. So anyway, it's a wild ride. You need some perspective. And that's why I wanted to show you that. I will continue to show you these things because again, these pullbacks are expected. Usually in these moments, you just want to buy. <laughs> buy on every pullback. You'll be all good. But they're hard to predict. You're rarely ever going to predict these things. Anyway, Jay, anything you want to add to that or ask on that? Otherwise, I'm going to move into some macro stuff. Yeah, no, I think the advice is well said. Prepare for a volatile time. And that's really why you got to tune in to us every week and stay stay in the loop because it's very easy to get caught up in crypto Twitter. It's very easy to get caught up in the narratives and to lose sight of your plan. And people go, well, how do you know that this is another cycle? Like, how do you know that's what we're going to go to? And so that's why I want to cover a little bit of macro because really it might not be. But what you need to look at is, is the macro environment set up where we can have another bull market? Can we get a bunch of liquidity back into risk assets like crypto, like tech? Because that's that's what we had back in 2020 and 2021. That's what we had in 2017. And that's what we had in 2014 when we had all these past cycles. And so let's just look. I mean, we've had a macro scare for a while. People have been worried about inflation. I mean, it's gone down from almost 9% down to 3%, but then it started to go back up over the last few months. So people were a bit worried. I've been saying, look, inflation is not a big deal. It's going to go down. Don't worry. We just had our inflation print this week and we went from 3.7% last last month to 3.2% this month, which is actually under below expectations. Okay. Expectations were referred to be 3.3. It actually went down to 3.2. A big reason for that, oil, which is what I talked about, I've been talking about is that oil is going to tank. Gas has been going down, which is really nice to see, plus a bunch of other things. So this is headline inflation. I said that it's core inflation that truly matters though. So let me bring that up. We also beat or we're below expectations. So we were 4.1 last month. We we're 4% this month. It's a slower decline on core, but people expect it to be 4.1%. So they expect it not to go down at all. We still went down. This was very, very bullish numbers. Again, we need inflation down because then the Fed can lower interest rates with no problems. And we're seeing this coming in fruition. So this is really, really good. The next thing we need, as I've always talked about, is unemployment and job claims, right? We need unemployment to go higher. We need job claims to go higher. These are people, jobless claims, sorry, because if those go higher, 
what this means is the government will not only lower interest rates, they will also start printing money. And we know that more liquidity in the system means that more money will come into crypto. And we are seeing, so this was just this week here, November 11th, a massive jump in jobless claims. So the highest we've had in over a year. So really high on that, which is, um, I mean, sucks for the economy. Again, I don't love that. But as an investor, these are things that you need for macro to, to do with us. We always go through these cycles of unemployment higher and then lower, government prints the money and so on and so forth. They stimulate the economy, they slow down the economy, stimulate, and that's just how it works. And so we're in the phase now where we're kind of reaching that point where they're going to have to start stimulating. So this is really good news. And the dollar is noticing this. I've talked about how the dollar is going down. Last week, it was at, went from 106 to 105. The reason the dollar will go down is if interest rates go lower and they print money, it devalues the dollar, right? And so people start selling the dollar. They don't want to hold the dollar anymore. They want to hold assets. So when if you look um, at this chart here, we can see from 2022 all the way to 2023, where we had this big bear market where all of our assets sold off. It's because everyone was moving into dollars because interest rates were going higher, right? And so now that people are guessing they're going to go lower because inflation is lower and they're probably going to start printing money and devalue it, it's likely the dollar breaks and goes much lower. Now, how low does it go? I don't know. It's still a very dominant currency versus all the other fiats. So like, and that's what this is. The, the Dixie is, is basically just comparing it against other currencies. But it, I think it will tend to go continue to go lower. And as this goes lower, it's a really good thing for assets as well. So there's three big indicators on assets. The last thing I want to look at here is the NASDAQ. I've been talking about tech stocks and how they are likely to explode going into the end of the year. If that happens, crypto will do the same, which we've seen. There is a pattern that's very common in technical analysis called the cup and handle. And it literally just looks like a teacup. Why this is a thing, I don't know. But it's a very high percent chance that when this forms and it forms like in a really um, perfect pattern, which you can see on the, on the screen here that it is, then typically what happens is you take the from the top here of the cup down to the very bottom. If you take that and you put it above the breakout point, that's generally where it's going to go. And this happens quite frequently. It's not, it doesn't always happen, of course. Um, but if everything works out, um, there's a high chance that that's what's going to happen here, which this is a massive, massive, massive growth. This is 30 something percent, I believe. 30, 35% um, increase from where we're at today. Now, how long does this happen? Generally, it'll take a few months kind of thing. But as I've been saying, I think the NASDAQ is about to absolutely rip, um, which means tech stocks. And just to wrap your head around that, that just means growth. That means risk assets, which if tech stocks go, crypto generally follows or leads. It just doesn't, it depends, but it just means we're back in risk on the 2020, 2021 days. And it looks like from this pattern, it's going to happen and which we've been calling for. So you've got kind of the macro world, inflation, unemployment in our favor, moving in our favor. You've got the dollar moving in our favor. And you've got tech stocks looking like they're about to break out. Crypto's already broken out. I don't think it's done, especially if we get the ETFs. And so just to summarize it all, I put this tweet out yesterday uh, and people tend to really like it, I guess. Here's the quick summary. If anyone, you know, if you want to figure out, should I be investing right now? Should I be putting my money in assets? Here's your sort of like playbook. Well, interest rates are paused. Inflation is down and heading down. Unemployment is up and heading up. The Bitcoin spot ETF is coming in less than 60 days. The ETH spot ETF is coming in less than six months. The Bitcoin halving is less than five months away. And global liquidity is about to rocket upwards because of inflation going down, unemployment going up. So we need to stimulate the economy. So you have these supply crunches of the Bitcoin having ETH burning, tons of ETH right now as more activity comes on chain. And then you have the demand 
just the ability for demand to actually make its way into these assets, just massively opening up with the Bitcoin spot ETF and the ETH spot ETF. There is just no better setup right now for crypto or tech. Now, crypto's obviously run up a lot in the last month. So I would expect a pullback at some point. Who knows when? Obviously, we just saw that it's happening, you know, as we're talking right now, we're down 6% in Solana and then, you know, 3% ETH and Bitcoin. It could and probably should go down. You just never really know in crypto and all the indicators, it says it's overbought. But Solana has been saying it's overbought every day for the last three weeks and it continues to double every day. So like the technicals kind of go out the window when we reach this phase. But either way, it's on. We're back. That's all I'm saying. We are so back. I think something that's so difficult for people to wrap their head around is how cyclical this is. And as a result of how cyclical it is, how possible it's become to really analyze and predict these cycles, which it was not as possible pre-2008, right? It was not as easy, but since 2008 and really since Money Printer turned on around governments around the world, we have really entered this new phase where these cycles are, yeah, they're very predictable, which is scary and dangerous in a way. Like I, I don't necessarily know that's a good thing that they're so predictable. But for us as investors, as people trying to increase our wealth, this is the opportunity that you've been looking for, everybody. Like it's right in front of you. This is the 2020 setup. So like back in 2020, early 2020, right after COVID hit, when markets tanked and we had been in this like little bit of a bear market at least in the crypto space. And then it was like, oh, they're about to print a bunch of money. Oh, interest rates are going to zero. Oh, everyone's losing their jobs. Like, it was like, okay, it's risk on, right? Like this is happening. And so it was like, everyone bought in and it just like, we had this next two years of craziness. We have a very similar setup. We don't have the same in the sense like you don't have the COVID scare. So it didn't, it didn't drop like, I think on when COVID happened, uh, Bitcoin dropped like 50 or 60%. We didn't necessarily have that, but like assets were already so far down and hadn't gone up. Whereas just before COVID, they had, they had already done their run-up and then COVID happened they, they jumped down like 60%. And it was like, oh, this is an obvious trade. This isn't like that, but the setup in terms of macro and just the innovation happening in this space, like, and then the ETFs, it's just, it's a pretty obvious one. The interesting thing is most people around the world don't know that though, right? Most people aren't thinking that, a lot of people are probably thinking, oh, okay, maybe the NASDAQ and tech stocks are going to do well, but it, not even that, like it's not consensus even though it's now happening. But a lot of people still aren't going, oh, we're going to have another crypto cycle. Haven't quite gotten that far down here, but it's pretty obvious we're about to. And so that's where the upside just comes so massively. Kai, you wanted to to ask a, a poll for uh, this week. I can't remember what it was. What was the poll question you had? Great. Wow. Well done, Jay. Yeah. So quick question, everyone. There's a poll in, our, in Spotify if you're listening on there. If you're not listening on Spotify, you can comment on Twitter, comment on YouTube or message us in Discord. I just want to know, are you on crypto Twitter? So not are you on Twitter, but are you on crypto Twitter, really listening to everything that's happening in the crypto Twitter world? It's a very polarizing world. There's a lot of people fighting in there. We're actually going to show some examples in the show here. But I just want to know if you're actually on there seeing the like crazy debates that are happening right now between, let's say, Ethereum and Solana. But let me know if you are. I just want to be able to form my, our content more accurately for you. Because if you're already in there, you understand it, that I can get, dive deeper into that. If not, then I can explain it, or maybe we don't even touch it. So just help us understand who you are. And let us know, are you on crypto Twitter? I love it. All right, let's jump into the news. Fake XRP trust ETF. 
uh, Roblox NFTs are coming, Disney NFTs are coming, and so much more. But before we do, we're just going to take a minute to hear from our sponsor. Modern newsletters are built on Paragraph. That's right. Paragraph is a brand new newsletter platform that combines the best parts of Web 2 and Web 3 to supercharge newsletters for both writers and readers. Build a community, not just an audience. Paragraph uses blockchain tech to allow readers to collect and own the words that matter to them. This takes reading a newsletter to the next level. With Paragraph, readers can mint, collect, and show off quotes from their favorite newsletters. This opens new possibilities like creators sharing revenue with fans. I also love their new feature, Paragraph AI. This integrates GPT-4 natively in Paragraph create, edit, and improve your writing effortlessly with one click. And guess what? We at Web3 Academy are on board and have already moved our content over to Paragraph. We believe this is the future of newsletters because of the profound engagement it creates between creators and fans. So whether you're a creator, writer, or an avid reader, it's time to check out Paragraph and capitalize on the opportunity of being early. Welcome back. All right. First up on the news, not such great news, a fake XRP ETF application. What happened here, Kai? Well, so not, not an ETF application, but close. So it was funny when the Ethereum ETF came out, which was just the other day, previous to that, there was the filing for a, a trust, an iShares ETH trust by BlackRock. And it's filed in like the Delaware or whatever it's called in their system. And so you can see it online. And so someone at, on Monday filed the same thing by iShares, iShares Trust, but XRP instead of ETH. They used the executive name of BlackRock. They used BlackRock's address and everything. And it got approved on the site and was available on the site. And so all of a sudden it looked like their BlackRock was about to file an XRP ETF, doing the same situations what they did with Bitcoin and then with ETH and now with XRP. And so it got put across Twitter XRP jumped 15% within minutes of this. And then Eric Balkuna is the guy that we continue to show because he's just, he's the ETF guy. Him and another guy, James, they went, looked into this. They contacted their people at BlackRock. They contacted the people at the Delaware company and realized that it was fake. Someone had literally did some fraud here and, and put this and used the BlackRock people's names. So it wasn't true. Immediately, the price of XRP went back down to where it was at previously. And we kind of went along. Now, the interesting thing from this is, I don't know if anyone here knows XRP people. Again, if you're on crypto Twitter, then you've, you've probably seen some of this. But the XRP people are, I mean, one, they've been through a lot. It's been around for forever. I'm, I don't know much about the tech. I don't really care much about it. But there are some people that just really believe in it, like Link Marines. You have the Link Marines. You have the XRP. I don't even know what they're called, but their community. And they're super, super into this thing. And for some reason, they started attacking this James and Eric saying that they're lying and they're frauds and they don't know what they're talking about. And like, for sure that this XRP BlackRock ETF is happening. And so these James and Eric for like two days had to like kind of fight on Twitter with these people and be like, guys, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not true. We've already confirmed with everyone. So like, what's going on here? And he just put out James, this just gives you an idea of what people are like in the space, which is alarming, but kind of funny, I guess. So James just tweets out after he said, you know, for the strange section of crypto Twitter that believes me and everyone else are wrong about the BlackRock uh, and iShares XRP trust being a false filing. And he showed like the actual proof here. And then he tweets out afterwards, he goes, my mentions are still filled with people saying, liking and reposting things like it can't be false. 
BlackRock filed it, or implying that there are imminent plans to launch an XRP ETF. I genuinely feel bad. Borderline cult mentality, showing a serious lack of intellectual ability. Which it's funny because James and Eric are not in crypto Twitter, so they don't see these people. And they're experiencing this for the first time because they're now covering crypto stuff. And they're like, what is going on with these people? And so this is just a call out of like, watch what you hear or read on Twitter. It's a weird place. There are people that are not investors, people that don't really know what they're talking about, but they bought these tokens and they've maybe held on to them for a long time, whether they're up, they're down, like, I don't know. But they've just like, it's almost like religious. It's like Bitcoin Maxi, same sort of idea. But you have these with XRP, you have them with Link, you have them with ETH, you have them with Soul, you have them with everything. It's just a weird sort of thing that has come about with like online communities. And they start to just do some weird stuff. And so just be very careful about the news you get from Twitter. It's tough to to trust a lot of what people say because people are a little bit delusional, not gonna lie. Somebody's going to jail for this. Like that's for sure. Yes, 100%. It's fraud. There's no it's doubt about it. Serious fraud. Like, yeah. First off, I can't believe that I don't know how easy it is to file for a trust in Delaware, but it would appear that this Delaware company, which we should figure out the name of the company, but yeah. that, that manages these trusts, that they got to update their application process and make it a little yeah. rigorous, more rigorous. It feels like this is like as easy as launching a token on, on an Ethereum <laughs> network. Right. Like, Anybody could do this is what it what was I like. First saw the news, part of me was like, there's no way. And the probably was like, well, I mean, maybe, I don't know. They did just win their case against the SEC. Like there are a lot of believers in it. I've never really looked at the tech. Like I, I'm pretty sure it's not great, but who knows? But then I was like, maybe someone hacked the system, but it turns out they didn't even have to hack it. They just could file it and it just worked. So like, anyway, they lied about the names. So like for sure, someone's going to jail. I hope. This just makes the industry look bad. Like we're trying to get two ETFs approved and we go and do that. Like, can you be any stupider, more stupid, stupider, whatever, both of it. <laughs> All right, next up, let's talk about, yeah, you got some more? I was just going to say, just, there was one more uh, tweet from Eric Bokunas saying that somebody asked him like, what are the requirements to file? And he said, I don't know. I don't know the requirements to get a name on their like that. I would think it's more rigorous than filling out a form, but this is a first for me. So it <laughs> does seem like it's literally just filling out a form on a website, which is crazy. Crypto is just taking over and our internet culture is just, it's wild. It's so funny. All right. Next up, OKX, which is one of the bigger exchanges in the world. I think it's probably like the third biggest. I mean, there's Binance, there's Coinbase. Uh, OKX is 50 million uh, registered users. So it's one of the biggest um, and one of the most like legit. Obviously, you have Coinbase, which is like the pinnacle of legitimacy for a centralized exchange. Kraken is also up there. Then you have Binance, which is like, it's very wide. I mean, it's the most used exchange in the world, but not super legit. It's got lawsuits and filings and things all over the world. And then you just got a bunch of other like kind of exchanges where you're like, I just don't know if I should trust them or not. OKX is the one, they're mainly in Asia, but the one that's like, really legit and have done a lot of good things. Anyway, OKX has uh, announced just the other day that they are launching a layer two using the Polygon CDK. Basically what this means is they're going to have a layer two, which is a ZK EVM. So think Coinbase just launched a layer two called Base and it's using the OP stack. So the optimistic stack, it's an optimistic rollup. What OKX is doing is launching a similar thing, but using Polygon stack, you could call it, and this is a ZK EVM, meaning it's zero knowledge proofs. 
So it's actually, I don't know if I necessarily want to say better tech than the open stack, hard to say that, but it's more advanced potentially and has more features. Zero dollars allows you to have some more privacy stuff. It's potentially faster, cheaper. So we'll see. Now it's still in testnet, but they launched testnet this week, which is really exciting. Base, for example, took, I think it was about three months from when they launched their testnet to when they went fully live. Actually, maybe it was six months. Can't remember, three to six months anyway. The difference is optimistic rollups. So OP stack was farther along than what the ZK EVM is for Polygon right now. Polygon ZK EVM is live, but it's in a beta. So it's not even like fully live on mainnet out to everyone. Whereas, and so that's what Paul OKX is building on. So timelines of when they'll actually launch this and go live, not sure. Honestly, don't really know, but I would imagine some point in the next six months, maybe a little bit longer. Let's see. But anyway, I think that this is a massive, massive deal. And the reason I say this is we, we talked last week about Kraken doing this, right? Kraken is launching um, an L2. They haven't decided where yet. But what's interesting about OKX is, so 50 million verified users, they have a Web3 wallet, similar to how Coinbase has Coinbase wallet. That's quite popular already, their, their wallet. And now they'll have an L2. And this to me is one of the most bullish things I think for the space, because what we need to think about is we always talk about UX in this space. And so let's, let's think about user experience for new people that come into this space. First, they've got to buy crypto. So they've got to sign up to this like centralized exchange from where what's ever accessible in their country. So they're learning a new brand, downloading a new app. It takes a couple of days to a week to get on it because you got a KYC, you got to send over your money from your bank, which takes a bit of time. So let's say you're about a week out and then all of a sudden you have your crypto. Generally, it's Bitcoin or ETH to start, but who knows? Could be some other things. Doesn't really matter. For most people, it stops there. I mean, for example, last cycle, we had 350 million people interact with crypto in total. We had a couple million that made it on chain. So like the conversion rate is pretty low. Part of that is because, well, once you get on that exchange, it's not that easy to get on chain from there, right? Because you've got to get a new wallet. Back in the last cycle, it was like MetaMask, Argent, and a few others, okay? And so it's a brand new brand, a brand new app, a brand new user experience. You're going to download another app on your phone. You're like, wait, what? I, I just bought this stuff. Why do I need a new app to go and use it? Well, not only do you have to get a new app, you got to get that MetaMask. You then got to go and learn the apps that you want to go and play around with. You got to then go and find the Uniswap link right? And make sure it's the right URL and then Aave and then, you know, Lens or whatever you want to use. So like there is a lot of friction and like brand trust that you have to build and UX experiences that you have to build. So like, it's not, it's not an easy thing. Now with Coinbase having its own wallet and its own L2, OKX having its own wallet, its own L2, Binance now has its own wallet, which we talked about, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. That's it as Binance Smart Chain. And then Kraken having its L2, probably a wallet to come very soon for a crack. And I would bet, think about this, you sign up, you get your crypto and now you have a wallet, which is branded the same. And for some cases in the actual app, like Binance, I would imagine Coinbase and OKX do the same. And then you can go to a chain that's branded the exact same as well. Right? So in terms of UX and like trust and like brand awareness, it's all the same, which is like so, so key. This is why Apple has done so well your phone, your computer, your music that you listen to, your app store, they're all I something, right? So it's so familiar, your, your cloud service, everything is the same. So it's very, very easy to go from one use case to the next. Whereas in crypto, it's fragmented fully. What OKX, Coinbase, Kraken, and Binance are doing is like making it all under the same brand. And I think that is super, super key for the next group of new people that come into the space. 
The other final thing I'll say here is in terms of incentives, this is also really big. Coinbase, Kraken, OKX, they had no incentives to push you on chain, right? Other than like, okay, if you get on chain, you're probably a stickier client. You're probably going to put more money into crypto. So there is that. But ultimately, they make no revenue. When you go off chain, they basically lose you. You, you move on and you're gone, right? So it's not really in their best interest to market you going on chain. They actually kind of want to keep you in their exchange. They want you trading in there and they don't want you to go much farther. Well, now that whole dynamic is changing. Coinbase wants you to go to base and they're making it very easy to go onto base. OKX, same thing now. Binance, same thing. And Kraken, same thing. These are the gateways, the first impression for every new user into the space. And now they are all incentivized to push you on chain. This is massive. I think this is a really big deal. Yeah, I completely agree. The analogy I like to use here is when you go to a carnival or a fair, you buy your ticket in advance, probably on a website, or you buy your ticket at the, the gate and you pay with your credit card and that gets you in the entrance, right? And so that's the same idea as going to an exchange and buying crypto for the first time. Okay. Now you're you're in the carnival, you're in the fair. But that doesn't mean that you can then go play the games, go buy NFTs, go use an app, right? In order to do that, you actually need to take your crypto and get it onto a Web3 wallet. Well, at a fair, you actually have to go and find like those token booths, you know, and you actually find tickets. like tickets, right? And those tickets are the currency to play when you're in the carnival or in the fair. Well, same idea on chain is you have to go and get your crypto into a Web3 wallet that can then interact with different applications, right. buy NFTs, by using, you know, interacting with sound, connecting your wallet to Lens, liking posts, like all these things, right? And so... What all these exchanges are doing is they're basically making the entrance way all in one. So you don't have to, you know, once you're in, once you have some crypto, you don't have to go figure out all these next steps on your own, which as you said, Kai, are like quite confusing, right? Yeah. And so all this just leads more people to not only get into the fair, but also to participate on chain and to become a part of this ecosystem that we're building that we hope goes way beyond people just buying Bitcoin. I just hope OKX and Kraken launch their L2s ASAP because if they're just all flooding people on chain, it's just, it's so huge. Okay, next up, let's talk about our friends over at Coinbase because we can't go a week without talking about them. Always shipping. Yeah, something called Coinbase on-chain credentials. This is something we've talked about a lot, which is basically attestations on-chain. So proving different things. It could be your age. It could be your country. It could be just proof of humanity. And there's many different versions of this. I mean, this is what WorldCoin is trying to do, right? Proof of humanity. We've talked about a lot about like on-chain credentials. I mean, we have it with our courses. When you complete a course, you get a credential. But what we don't have on-chain, and some people in the crypto world hate this, but is like sort of KYC on-chain. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, we don't want KYC on-chain. It's like, well, in some instances you do. And you just, you need it on-chain because if the government wants to bring certain things on chain if certain banks or other companies want to bring certain, like, I don't know, if alcohol companies want to do something on chain, they need to verify that you're above the age of, well, 19 in Canada, 21 in the US and whatever else around the world. And so like, there are some things where certain parts of KYC is just a requirement in the world. And it's just like, and it also makes sense. If you want to enter 
a porn site. We shouldn't just let anyone do that, go stream something on chain when they're like 12 years old. We should probably verify, right? And so not that I think porn's coming on chain anytime soon, but who knows? <laughs> and so anyway, what Coinbase has done is allowing, no I'm kidding, Coinbase has basically has this new feature that makes KYC on chain very simple because they've already KYC'd 108 million people in their app. And so what they've done is created this way for you to go into the app with your Web3 wallet and opt in to getting KYC in a specific wallet, tying it to your Coinbase app essentially. And so what that does is it gives you some on-chain verification, taking your like KYC from the app and putting it on-chain. And so now you can unlock exclusive, whether it be apps or access or different things. Now, what will those be? There's not a lot of apps that are requiring this right now, but surely there will be tons, especially in the like finance world where when you want to buy companies or when you want to do uh, certain things, sometimes it matters about country. Sometimes it matters about like who you are. So again, this doesn't mean all of your wallets are KYC. It doesn't mean the whole chain is KYC. It's just a feature that you can opt into and then use when needed, right? But you don't need to have one, you don't need to have this. And two, your whole, like the whole chain is not KYC. Okay. It's just a feature on top of the chain that can be used which I think is really important. I want people to not mix that up. Because people are like, no, any KYC on chain is like against the values. The values still exist. You don't ever have to use this, but there will be some apps and some services that you will need it. And now people will probably also build the same service and product without the need for it. And that's okay too. You might be able to go use the one without that. That's fine. That's the way the world works. But some will have it. And the more legitimate companies that probably there'll be more liquidity there or more whatever, you'll need to use your credentials to get in there. So this is a thing that we need to solve for a while. And so Coinbase is helping helping to do this. Yeah, what I think is so powerful about this is Coinbase keeps building out the features around base that yeah. enable, they're really going to attract developers, right? Yeah. If you're a developer and you are developing a app that does require some form of KYC, well, now, of course, you're going to be more attracted to building on base because they have this Coinbase on-chain verification feature that they're building up. So it'll make it easier for you. And I just don't think people realize how, how much we do need KYC in like our day-to-day lives. Like we all forget it because we're so used to it. Like we're so used to giving our email. We're so used to giving our name and our age. Like we don't even think about it. You sign up for a new website. You download something, you go purchase something online, you are constantly KYCing. And we just, we don't really grasp that anymore. I feel like we've gotten so used to it. And obviously, we're going to need to do that in the on chain world too. Not for everything, but to be clear, not everything. Right? Not for everything. It's going to allow more US companies to build on chain because right now they just can't. And then think about airdrops. It's not even just about like knowing all the details of someone, but it's also just like right now, people want to airdrop users, but how many people bought that and have fake wallets? Like I would never do an airdrop without some sort of verifiable credential to prove that you're actually a human. So I know I'm not wasting a bunch of money and giving a bunch of money to a hundred wallets that are owned by one person. That's insanity. But that's what we have to do right now because we don't have this proof of humanity. So this is a really big deal for many different reasons. So hopefully people can wrap their head around that. All right, let's go from the technical of KYC and on-chain verification to the fun of Disney. Disney is back on chain. They are launching an NFT platform called Disney Pinnacle. And 
I got to say, this is one of the most bullish headlines of the year for me from the perspective of one of the largest IP brands in the world coming back on chain. Disney tried to come on chain a few times already with right. Vive and with Cryptoys, and they've done a few things. They've sort of played around. They haven't fully committed, but now they are fully committing. So they are teaming up with Dapper Labs and they're launching an NFT collectible platform. It's called Disney Pinnacle. And it's going to be minted on Flow blockchain. And it'll feature digital collectibles from Disney IP. So you're talking like Mickey Mouse type thing. From Pixar. So you're talking like Toy Story, Woody, Buzz, Lightyear. And from Star Wars, Darth Vader type thing. And this is a mobile fo focused platform. So it's going to be designed for accessibility for anybody to get in and play on their phone. And it'll be built in a way that will allow you to very simply come on and direct purchase in the app. Now, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to do that on mobile because we all know that if you build on mobile in Apple, you have to pay the Apple 30% tax. And I don't know if they're going to do that or if they'll do more of the point system where you, you buy some sort of points or tokens that aren't crypto. They're just like a meaningless promotional point. And then you use that to then go buy the NFT. That's how a lot of other companies have gotten around it. But what's interesting about this is what they are launching is, I'm not sure, Kyle, I'm going to tell you what they're what the NFTs are. So the NFTs are collectibles, purely collectibles. I don't think the focus is on utility here, but they're pins. They're like digital pins, like literally like a pin that you would put on your shirt or on your jacket. And it came from the fact that these pins, I guess, are very popular collectibles for coming out of Disney. A lot of people around the world collect these pins and they sell them on secondary markets. And these are like the physical version of these pins. They've been really popular for decades and they're a big part of Disney's collectibles. And so now they're saying, okay, we want to make these digital versions of these pins. Now, look, I'm not the biggest collector, neither is Kai. So we're never going to be the first to jump at a collectible experience. But there's a lot of collectors in the world. And there's a lot of people that love Disney. And collecting Disney items and Disney IP is really important to them. Yeah, I mean, Dapper Labs is the creator of Flow Chain, which is yeah. they also had NBA Top Shops, which was one of the most successful NFT use cases that we ever had. It was like one of the first catalysts to the NFT world mm -hmm. back in like 2020. And it brought a lot of non-crypto people, non-NFT people on chain. Now, on a centralized exchange, blah, 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 whatever, but it at least got them thinking about NFTs and a lot of them ended up going into crypto as a result. So like, it is still a cool onboarding feature and I would imagine Disney's going to do the same sort of thing. Top drafts were just like videos of things that happened in basketball, the NBA. There was just collectibles. That was it. You opened up these packs, you'd get these like video clips and like highlights and then that was kind of it. They like kind of gamified it where if you had certain ones, you could do certain things. It's so, like, I imagine it'll be a similar playbook. And it's just, again, the, the Top Shops brought a bunch of NBA people in. And I think Disney will bring in a bunch of people that love Disney. So I think it's really cool. This is potentially huge. NBA Top Shot stands to gain from this because it's going to bring more users onto the Flow blockchain. I think the other takeaways from this are one, this opens the door for other major brands. There's a lot of major brands that are sitting on the sidelines right now. They're watching Web3. They have, probably have a Web3 team or an innovation team that's focused on blockchain and AI and all the future tech. And a lot of them are like, mm, regulation, a little bit scared. 
And now you have Disney, one of the biggest IP brands in the world, one of the largest brands in the world saying, yep, we're in. And not only are we in, we're building our own platform. So I think that's a big signal to a lot of brands. It's also a huge win for Dapper Labs and Flow to get Disney, like the holy grail of IP, like way to go, yeah. Dapper Flow. I don't know who's on your biz dev team, but want to give them a high five. And then the other- Coming out, you on Ethereum soon enough. That's maybe one of my- I don't think that's right, 24. I think the other winner here is Doodles. Doodles 2 is built on Flow. And Doodles 2 is yeah. basically like Doodles- interactive experience is where you can go and build your own doodles character all the items like a jacket and a hat are all nft items and you buy them all and then you build your own character and it's all on flow blockchain there's not a lot you can do with that character yet though right because flow doesn't have a lot of stuff on it well if disney comes on to flow and doodles is very much a disney-like ip brand you could see Everybody's always speculated that, you know, Doodles wants to be the next Disney. Maybe Disney buys Doodles one day. So I think there's a lot of interesting things here for Doodles to potentially uh, take advantage of and win as well as a result. Did you say that Doodles wants to buy Disney one day? No, I said that Disney wants to buy Doodles. Did I say it the other way around? Oh, no, no, no. Disney wants to buy Doodles? Where do you get that from? No, no. I'm just saying that that would be like that would be a great end goal for doodles right gotcha. they either want to become disney right. or they want to sell to disney yeah, yeah okay gotcha i was like whoa wait what did i miss <laughs> no, definitely all right super cool what's next we got something else even bigger than disney i would say yeah even even bigger than disney is roblox one of the largest metaverses in the world over i think it's 160 monthly 60 million monthly active users so huge and roblox has said that they are likely going to adapt nfts now let's be clear this was an interview with the ceo where he basically hat tips towards nfts and said yeah there's a likely chance that we integrate nfts in the future this is not roblox saying you know disney is launching an nft platform roblox is not doing anything with nfts yet right yeah. uh, but what's interesting about this is about a year ago roblox and Minecraft, which are like the two largest metaverses or gaming platforms, both said that they would not be integrating NFTs. Right. Minecraft in particular, owned by Microsoft, really slammed NFTs. And so at the time, everyone was like, oh, okay, NFTs are dead. Like these guys aren't going to integrate them. But now, and I, we all knew this, they're doing that for narrative reasons, for PR reasons, because their users and their consumers don't love NFTs. But in the background, again, guarantee they're both planning for it. And Roblox clearly is planning. Well, also, probably back then, they didn't get it. And so right. they were like, these are the dumbest things ever, which they were. If you were an outsider looking into the NFT space, like the Web3 space, it looked ridiculous, right? It was like, thankfully, we were already in the space. And so like we had a grasp on blockchain. And so like we could wrap our heads around NFTs. But if you didn't get blockchain before this, that must have been a, a weird time for a lot of people. I'm not going to lie. This is why bear markets are so good, right? All the crap that went on goes away and then people can go, okay, what was that NFT thing again? Like, why did that happen? And then it's like, you have normal conversations. You can talk to people, you can figure some shit out and all the like scams, not all of them, but a lot of the scams and all the, just the hype and craziness are gone. It's like, you can just think normally again. And that's basically what's happened. I think is these companies took some time over the bear market and be like, wait, what, what actually went on there? And so now they're like, oh, this is actually really good tech. The interesting thing that the CEO of Roblox said, he goes, a lot of people do have this sort of pipe dream, though, of bringing assets from one game to another and NFTs being the thing that enables that. And he's like, 
Although like technically an NFT can do that, realistically, that's not, not going to happen because the NFT can bring the unique ID from one game to another to say like, yeah, they had that thing and now it's here because the wallet connects from one game to another. But the game itself still has to build in the like functionality and the like the design and the usability and all this of that of all the metadata and like of what that let's say it's a sword in one game and like nhl 2004 is not going to build in a functionality for some sword over on like assassin's creed or something like that it's just for the, like what are they gonna do build every single nft there's bill, gonna be billions and billions you're gonna every single use case so everyone just go from one game to another it's like that's never gonna happen maybe it'll happen from like NHL 2004 to NHL 2005, you could bring your character with you and then he could play the next game or like a hockey stick or whatever or a gun from one game to the next, like maybe. But again, it's going to be only if it's like same ownership, probably same game or sequel. Mm -hmm. And then other than like maybe certain partnerships, but it's going to be very limited. It's not just a free-for-all. It's not how NFTs work. You've got to understand it's just the underlying tech of the unique ID. doesn't mean you could actually go and like have that thing look the way it is inside of that and et cetera. So it's very different. Other news out of the gaming world, Parallel had some big news this week. We had Kolos, one of the co-founders of Parallel on the podcast a few months ago. Just an awesome episode. So impressed with everything they're building. And Parallel is really, I would say, a darling of the Web3 gaming sector. Everybody loves Parallel and for good reason. They've done incredibly well. And they announced this week that they are going to be an open beta on the Epic Games Store, which is one of the largest game store in the world. And that will take them so far. They've been closed and they only have a few thousand users that are playing the game. So it's amazing that they've gotten all the press and the attention that they've gotten with just a few thousand users. There's a lot of people getting very excited to go play this game. And so that's coming very soon. They'll be open to everybody. Then on Tuesday, they also announced some new gameplay emissions basically and they're constantly trying to manage their tokenomics because one of the issues with the game is as more people come into the game they create more nfts more things in the game more characters more items which just inflates all of the items in the game and can cause a lot of issues around the value of those items within the game so they are constantly working on that and basically what they came out and they said was a couple of things. One is that right now you can play the game without NFTs. So you could come in, you can play the game for free and you don't need an NFT to play. And what they've said is if you want to earn rewards, which is in Prime token, Prime is their token in the game, then you need to play with NFTs. So they're basically saying you got to take the leap of connecting your wallet, setting up NFTs. And then you can start to earn prime tokens. And the more NFTs you have in the game, the more prime you can win. So they're starting to incentivize people who play the game more, who have more items in the game to get more things out of the game, more rewards. And the market loved this. There was a great market response. Prime token went up like 32%, almost reaching its peak the, earlier this week. Uh, so it's up, I think it's up like 130% on over the last two weeks. It's up big time. And then parallel avatars, which we spoke about about a year ago. Uh, they surged, they're up 64% on the last two weeks. So both the NFT and their token ecosystem is really booming. And if you haven't paid attention to Prime, I would start paying attention. A great game to get involved with and great opportunities. For those who are like Ethereum hasn't gone up 
as much as Solana and so Ethereum's dead, which is the narrative right now on Twitter, which is again why I ask you to answer the question for on crypto Twitter. Let's think about the two games here that have made it on Epic Games that have potentially been massive. We have Alluvium we talked about last week, now Parallel this week. Alluvium is on Immutable, which is an L2 of Ethereum. Parallel is on Base, which is an L2 of Ethereum. So you can see that the ecosystems and these L2s are working and there's a lot of big things that are coming on these. Really, really excited to see where this goes because we can do some value accrual reports on Parallel in the coming months. We'll see as it, as it gets on there and as it as it really picks up. All right, let's go to progressive ownership and uh, a model for app tokens, Kai. This was a really cool newsletter that was written by Jin Lee that really talks about how should we distribute tokens to communities and how should we develop ownership and governance. And she came out with a new model, Kai. Tell us about that. So Jin Lee has been around, or Legion, sorry, has been around for a long time. She is the founder of Variant Fund. So they have, she funds a lot of mainly consumer apps. So she's big in like the social media space, but now she's been in Web3 for a long time and their their fund is really trying to fund consumer apps. So they are in Blackbird and a bunch of others. And so one of the things that they've talked about recently is how do we use tokens to help businesses truly grow? And there's sort of these like four, what they've outlined is these four eras of token distribution. So Tokens really first started back in 2009 with Bitcoin, right? And it was a way to incentivize people to run machines, to bootstrap networks, right? And that worked obviously really well. Bitcoin has been has been great. And so <clears throat> that was the first area. Then we had ICOs, which came in about 2017 on top of Ethereum, which was a new way of distributing tokens for capital formation. So you want to raise capital? Well, let's just give out tokens. They're permissionless. I don't need to go and set up like equity uh, at a bank and get lawyers involved, I can just do it in one second and people can buy, which is great. So really cool, really good for capital formation, not so great for like lack of accountability uh, and alignment because all of a sudden now people only care about the price going up. You know, people who actually launch that ICO might just leave and there's no accountability because there's no rules because it's permissionless. So it was good, but it still can be good for some use case, but not everything. Then we had the airdrop era, which is, hey, I want to decentralize my community. Um, because I'm worried about regulation. I'm worried about people trying to shut me down. So I want to decentralize. And so I airdrop all of my users, um, which again, great for incentivizing usage, great for, well, somewhat good for decentralizing. Um, but in terms of drawbacks, I mean, you just have so many bots and fake users. And so you just don't know what's real and what's not. Do you really have product market fit or did they come to your app just because they wanted to airdrop? which is uh, airdrop farm, which a lot of people are doing, then obviously unsustainable. You can't just keep airdropping tokens to someone. So now you have sort of the fourth version, which we're starting to see in newer apps. Apps like Blackbird have done this. Likely also Frentech may do this sort of thing as well. I'm not exactly sure because they haven't, we don't know, but this is what Blackbird's doing, which is this idea of progressive ownership. And so this is basically like a loyalty and rewards program, yet also giving people ownership and equity inside of your app or company. And so the way that this works is there's sort of three stages to it. First, find product market fit. Don't launch a damn token until you have product market fit, right? Get people to use your app. It doesn't have to be millions or billions, but get real people using it, liking it, enjoying it. If you get that, that's sort of the first step. You're like, okay, now we're at a point where we might want to think about launching a token. But the second step is still not launching a token. It's using... so product market fit, but also getting revenue. So making some money. Okay. But then the next idea is once you have that, you can start to share that revenue 
and use it to incentivize people to grow your app even further. People that like your app and that are using it will happily go and tell other people and ask other people to use it if you give them some sort of incentive. We've been using this in Web2 for forever, right? Affiliate programs. It's basically that, except in Web3, it becomes much easier. If you like my app and you, you, know, you share, let's say we're talking sound, which is where you can collect music or paragraph our newsletter. For example, if you connect your wallet and you share our newsletter on Twitter, on Lens, on whatever, and someone clicks on that link, your wallet is tied to that link, and now any revenues that we make from that user automatically goes to your wallet. You get a certain small percent. It's a micropayment, but if you do it enough and over time, that could actually be worth something for you. And so, but the idea here is that when you share this revenue, you're not doing it with your token. You're doing it with ETH or with USDC or whatever it is, right? You're actually giving them money. And that's because people are doing this for income. So if you give them your you know, whatever black, I think Blackbird's token is called Fly. If you give them that, they're just going to sell it because they shared this and they did all this because they want income. It's not because they want governance necessarily. Most people, maybe 5%, less than that, want governance and want equity. So most people are just going to share it, which dilutes your token. It's not a good thing. Drives the, the share price down. So what you do is you just, you share revenue as you make it. And then the next thing you do is you can start to give away tokens to people who opt into it a certain percent of your user base will want a say in the direction of your company because they use it a lot. They love it. Maybe they're like, for example, we use Paragraph for our newsletter. Our business relies on it. We want to say in what Paragraph is doing. But all of our listeners who also use Paragraph just to read our stuff, they probably don't really care, right? So Paragraph probably shouldn't give you tokens, but they can give you some money, right? But they're probably not going to give you tokens because you're just going to sell it. Whereas we might hold it because we want to vote. And we know more about Paragraph, so we might want to actually hold the equity. So what you do is, as people reach certain levels of usability in your app, then you start to allow them to opt in and change that income over into equity slash governance tokens. And this idea is, I think, something that will put your tokens of your company in the right people's hands. It'll allow you to decentralize, it'll allow you to kind of incentivize, but do it in a sustainable way. Uh, and so I hope this is a, is a great article here that she wrote, that all apps are gonna read this and start to transition into this new idea because I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that this doesn't mean that the airdrop era is over. Right. There is certainly going to continue to be apps that use the airdrop because it is such an incredible incentive driver right now. And the problem is it's short term, right? We don't even know if it builds a sustainable business. We haven't even seen that yet, right? So there is a lot of risk in it. So short-term gain, long-term, maybe not. This is the first time we've seen somebody try to lay out a way to create long-term sustainability, build a business for the long-term, build a community for the long-term, get the right people to have governance in their hands. I think, yeah, genius. The main thing I think here is it really leans into this idea of find product market fit first and then incentivize users. Don't do it the other way around. And that's, it's tough to find product market fit. So a lot of, I think a lot of founders get stuck in like, okay, well, I'm having trouble finding product market fit. So I'm going to use incentives to seem like I've found product market fit, which is Blur is the classic example. Is Blur even have product market fit? We don't know yet. Yeah, very true. All right, let's start to wrap up, Jay. Let's get into some quick hits. Okay, first up, Uniswap app on Android makes over 1 million in front-end fees. Yes, yeah, so it's actually, there's two things that I have here. One, Uniswap has launched their app on Android. 
Previous to this, it was only on Apple. So that's a really big deal. They're actually opening it up, making it available to 430,000 beta users. So they're about to get a lot of users on there. I mean, assuming they can get that many. And then they've also, at the same time, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where they've now launched a, a fee that Uniswap will actually earn, Uniswap Labs will actually earn revenue from people who use their front end, which means using their app and their front end website. And they've now made over a million dollars. So it's quite interesting. Last month, we did a pro report, a value crew report on Uniswap and called out that they made zero dollars in the last, you know, three, four years. Uh, and now they've made a million bucks in the last month. So that's pretty cool. All right. Next up, Jay, stablecoin that lifts people out of extreme poverty. What is this? Yeah, this is really cool. So this is a stablecoin called Glow Dollar. And it is a charitable stablecoin is what they're calling themselves. So it's the same as USDC. It's a USD backed stablecoin. So for every uh, Glow Dollar that you buy, they take a US dollar and put it into a holding fund. Now, the difference is Glow Dollar takes the earnings from holding your US dollars, which right now with the rates that are out there, we've talked a lot about how much money Circle is making just by holding billions for over 40 billion in US dollars. They're making a ton of yield from that. Check out our, our real world assets pro report from two weeks ago if you have no idea what we're talking about. Basically, they take your dollars, they put it into money market funds, they make what the interest rates are 5%. They give nothing to us, so we just hold a dollar and they make a buttload of money. It's an incredible business right now. Circle is just killing it. So Glow Dollar said, well, why do these businesses need to make all this profit? Let's create a stable coin that aims to be charitable. And so what they're doing is they're funneling all of the earnings from these holdings to give directly, which is a charity that focuses on basic income programs. So extreme poverty and lifting people out of extreme po poverty. So essentially you as a user of Glow Dollar, all you don't have to do anything. Just by holding Glow Dollar, you are helping lift people out of extreme poverty. To give you an idea of like the scale here, basically for $20,000 held in Glow Dollars, that will lift one person out of extreme poverty. Now, Glow Dollar needs to reach two million, a 2 million market cap before they start receiving enough earnings to push it towards the charity. And right now they're at a 1.4 million market cap. Actually, that was as of a month ago, they're at a one point or two weeks ago, they're at a 1.4 million market cap. So they might even be higher than that right now. I actually haven't looked, but that they are getting very close to that point. And look, I think this is incredible, incredible use case, an incredible company that is aiming at solving one of the biggest problems in our world, extreme poverty and using crypto and stable coins to do that. What a fantastic idea. Yeah, I absolutely love it. So smart. Okay, next up, sound curator rewards are now social. Yeah, so this is super cool. So I just sort of talked about this actually, of this sort of like how you can do kind of like an affiliate program or referral rewards through different platforms like Paragraph. Uh, sound also allows you to do this. So if you share a song, someone clicks on that and collects it from your link, then you get paid. So curators who are setting a playlist, people who just really like an artist and share it, um, they can make some some money from this. Now it's available where if you sh you can directly share it into Lens and um, Warpcast, and uh, which are the Web three social platforms, and people can directly mint or collect 
that NFT right from the social app themselves. So they don't have to like click into anything. It's just they can do it right within the the UX, which is super, super cool. And if you did share that, let's say you're, I was going to call it tweet, but post a lens or a forecaster goes viral and a bunch of people start clicking and collecting, you can actually make a decent money from that. So they're, they're creating these really cool social aspects to sound. The other thing they just launched is the ability to comment on the song. So if you remember SoundCloud, you can like comment at any point in the song and be like, oh, I love that riff that you did there or that drop or like, what were you thinking when you wrote that? And what's cool is you can only comment if you've collected the NFT. So it's a bit of incentive to actually collect. And now the artist can um, comment back and it turns into a bit of a thread, almost like you were talking on Facebook or on Twitter. So they're making sound this kind of social experience, which I think is super cool. All right, two more to go. Lacoste gives a discount to NFT holders. What's this, Jay? Yeah, this is just one of the simplest use cases for any consumer brand out there that's thinking about using NFTs is Lacoste has a NFT collection called UNDW3. And anybody that holds a UNDW3 NFT now gets first access to a new Lacoste physical wearable collection. So they're dropping their new collection of like shirts and all their, you know, gear. And they're saying, hey, if you're one of our NFT holders, which means you're probably one of our super fans, you really care about us. Well, you get first access and you get a discount. And all of that can be done very simply on chain. Not something you can really, you could do it in web too, but it would be, you wouldn't be able to guarantee that only your super fans get access. You'd have to like email a link and then everybody could share that link. So the web two way to do this, not quite as possible, but a really, really great way. If you're a consumer brand, start to get NFTs in the hands of your holders and you can give them access, give them discounts just by token gating. Super simple, awesome use case. Last up, Ryan Watts jumps from Polygon to Optimism. Yeah, so Ryan Watt is formerly at YouTube. He was the head of gaming at, at YouTube. He, a couple of years ago, moved into Web3 by going to Polygon. That was kind of like shook the world and, well, not the world, but the Web3 world. We're like, whoa, that's really cool. A pretty high level guy coming into this space. And he left Polygon a couple of months ago. And uh, now he's decided to go over to Optimism. And he is the chief growth officer over at Optimism, which is was really cool. It's great to see that he's back in the space. OP and, well, Optimism is one of the, technologies that we've been a big fan of and supportive of. When I did the deep dive on L2s, OP and IMX, which is Immutable's token, were the two that I was like, okay, these are probably, these are my biggest fans and the ones that I'm going to continue to buy more of. I think Arbitrum Plugin are still great, but those are the two like leaders. I think Ryan has obviously seen something big with Optimism as well because he's made the shift over from Polygon to Optimism. So congrats to Ryan and um, super bullish Optimism. That's a wrap. That's a show. Everybody, I hope you are making a plan right now to invest in this market. And if you don't know what your plan is and you need help formulating it, or if you just want some extra confidence to feel like your plan is the right plan, now is the time to take advantage of our Black Friday sales, 69% off. You can get our Web3 Investing Masterclass. That's a five-hour course that'll give you everything you need to know to get started. And then you'll get every week a on-chain report directly to your inbox that's going to make sure that you know throughout the next year what you should be doing each week because it's going to be a volatile ride. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, and we want to make sure you have the confidence. So click the link in the show notes, grab our Black Friday bundle right now, and 
yeah, I can't, I can't handle anyone missing out on this guy. I can't handle it. Everybody Jay keeps saying, in. Jay keeps saying the next year, this bull market's going longer than a year. My pro part coming out in two weeks is going to actually show you when the bull market's likely going to end. So don't listen to Jay. All right. He's just spreading fun. Two years. Come on. <laughs> I'm just the the just the Black Friday deal gets you pro for a year. That then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay again for the next year because we're right, still gonna get the bull market true, as true. Kind of Okay, okay. Or if we're not in the bull market, we'll tell you. And that's why you gotta go pro today. You gotta make sure you got the confidence you need to invest in this wacky and wild space. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have yourselves a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note. This podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.